The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, First Horizon Bank, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike. Hey there, John. Mike Gillen, the producer. How are you doing there, sir? I am doing well. Listen, before we get started, I got to tell you a quick story. Can you just handle a quick story? Okay, bring it on. Listen to me. One time, I kid you not, I was walking with a friend of mine, and we stopped... And we were sitting on my front porch and we're hanging out and unbeknownst to me behind me, a little kid starts to run into the street and there is a car coming straight for the kid. The guy I'm walking with, with this loud, powerful voice yells. I mean, I, don't, I can't remember what he yelled. If he yelled car or whatever it is, boom, stop that kid. Like save the kid's life. Car goes by. Kid could care less. That kid could mm-hmm. care less. Didn't realize. Didn't realize it. So that happened. The same guy, that same guy, pastor friend of mine, and he spoke at a funeral for a guy that was dad. And this is the craziest thing, Mike. I'm just being blunt, okay? Don't forget, forgive me for this one, okay? Please okay. Be, be gentle. To uh, do. funeral to do. Mm-hmm. So this guy, he's a pastor. He does the funeral, and it was beautiful. It was respectful. It was honoring and accurate. And if you'd have been there, you'd be like, man, that guy's the real deal. So when I tell you, I watched this guy give a funeral that I don't know how you give, and save a child's life. That guy is our guest today. All right. That's our guest today. It's Michael Aitchinson, and you're a senior pastor, and tell me the church name. Christ United Fellowship in Christ, South Downtown Orlando. Christ United Fellowship in South Downtown Orlando. How are you doing there, my friend? I'm doing great. John, I thank you for all those kind words. Uh, you have been an incredible friend throughout the arc of my time in Central Florida. No, I, I really do mean that. We go way back. We go way back. Saturday morning walks. Yep. Where we were just starting out the church, you being a PK, yep. knew all the things that a pastor would go through <laughs> and just had amazing words of encourage, encouragement for me along the way. So and, I'm grateful for you. Man, brother, you did save that kid's life, by the oh. way. That did happen. Like, you don't tell the story. I tell the story. That really didn't happen. And then you did the great job at that sermon. I was, I remember like sitting there being like, wow, this is the real deal. And that was, mm-hmm. that was a, that was a tough one. You know, like some people might think, you know, you do a eulogy, you get there and you kind of talk about the person's life. And that was a tough situation, man. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you did it and you blessed my friend with that. So thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, just here to serve. Oh my gosh. He's like beauty pageant <laughs> answer. So listen, before we get to the the main topic I want to talk about, the first thing I want to talk about is like, you played a little college football. I did. You played a little offensive line. For Kentucky. I did. And you guys had a Bill big Cats. win, big win the last <laughs> season. So way to go with that. Um, and and uh, let me ask you this. If you, if I were to throw you into an NFL game right now mm-hmm. and you could pancake block anybody in the NFL right now, who would Mike want to just boom? Like wow. real hard? What, what would be the, what would be, who would be the dude that you would just like pound? That's a very difficult question to answer because I grew up watching the Buffalo Bills. Oh, so really? Bruce Smith. It's probably my favorite NFL player of all time. Right. It would be an honor to be able to pancake him. It'd be a hard task, but it'd be an honor. So Bruce Smith, that's a that's a very yeah, great. He's answer. one of the all-time sack. One of the one of the all-time greatest. Yeah. All-time greatest. 
Um, so when you're preaching a sermon on Sunday morning, do you ever look in the audience and think, I'd like to pancake block that guy? Do you ever like have that moment? <laughs> no, come on. I'm come on. No, no. I, you know, being a pastor is an honor. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege. Uh, and it's also a difficult task. You know, right. You read the Bible, and that's pretty clear from Moses' journey with God's people. And people com- people are complex. They have a lot of issues going on in their life. And sometimes those issues can make relationships difficult. But on the whole, I have enjoyed being a pastor. I love God's people. And uh, I, 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 I strive to show them the love of Christ and all that I do. Well, and I appreciate uh, that, and I appreciate the honesty of, of acknowledging like that can be hard because people are broken, right? Mm-hmm. I know a pastor, a friend of mine used to say, man, being a pastor is awesome, except for the working with the people. <laughs> it's like, jeepers, creepers. But there's some truth to that. But sure. listen, the reason why I want to have you on today is I want to talk about um, uh, racism. Sure. And um, you and I have a little bit of uh, past because... Uh, after Mr. Floyd got murdered and there was so many conversations, you were so kind. You came in and you guest taught uh, my Bible study sure. and uh, was predominantly, you know, middle-aged white guys like me. Mm-hmm. And you were so uh, gracious with them. And they asked you some hard questions sure. and you answered those hard questions. And I remember you don't say this, but like one time you were quoting a story and you used the, the N word. I don't, mm-hmm. don't do that here on this, this show, but <laughs> you, won't. but you were, you were just speaking your own truth. Right. Sure. And so, I say it, that happened, I say it because like that, that was painful for me to just experience. And yet I know it was healthy, right? Because you were, you were, you were just telling a story. You were, you were quoting a story and making a point, but you were really helping those guys do it. So, you know, it's been a couple of years, you know, since we went through that. And so, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, Mike, you know, what do you, what do you think it looks like for us to, as Christians, um, not have to talk about race so much. Is this, is this a, it's a, where are we in the journey? We're we going to keep talking about this. Where, where do you feel we're at with this? Yeah. Well, if I might add to your statement about race, if you'll remember, John, a lot of our conversations around these things predated even the That's George true. Floyd tragedy. That is true. That is true. And so I, I just, again, one of the things I've appreciated about our friendship, we've been able to talk about very difficult things our that stuff. would normally uh, polarize people. And that story I shared was from a personal experience. Yeah. And so it was uh, very therapeutic for me to be able to engage people on a level of vulnerability that was not in the way distant past. And can I say, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry if any way I'm robbing you from being able to express that. You, you need to be able to express that and that you need to, be able to express that in safe places and, and feel empathy I think my problem is it's like, I love you so much that when you say it, I feel so hurt mm. and maybe I need to feel hurt. Like maybe that's the moral of the story and, and to be your friend and, and sit with you in that. It's just, it is painful and it's hard to hear. It's sure. just hard to hear. No, I, I totally get that. And I'm, and I'm very circumspect about how I tell that story. Sure. Sure. And, and, and the places I share it. Right. I, right. I wouldn't do it if I didn't suspect that it was a place that could handle some difficult and complex conversation. But I know, listen, but I've, I've seen, I've seen guys ask you questions mm-hmm. that I thought were ooh, like, I would not have said that, but they were asking the truth. And then you answered it. And then I feel like they grew in their faith and they also grew in a healthier place with race relations. So, Absolutely. so you're right. We've been talking about this, this, this for a long time and we're still talking about sure. it. And so, um, why do Christians need to keep talking about this? That's a very good question. Christians need to keep discussing issues around race because Jesus has not returned. 
when Jesus returns, we will be in a state of perfection. We won't have any more issues. The Bible promises that he'll make all things new. In fact, he's doing that right now. And there will be a consummate reality of that renewal. He'll return and sin will be no more. But as long as we as children of Adam are walking the face of the earth, there will be all sorts of sins that we have to engage. It just so happens that in America, racism, conversations around race, power, class have been very particular to our country, right? So some will say, from the very beginning of our country, this is something we've had to navigate. Even with our founding fathers, some, some were in favor of slavery, some weren't, right? We got past that. We Emancipation Proclamation, we get to Jim Crow. Uh, we get to Reconstruction. The response to Reconstruction is Jim Crow. And so what we're dealing with in many ways in our country is the residual effects of those things, of those realities. And it's not just a civic or civil space problem. It's a problem that we have to navigate in the church as well, because in many ways, historically, the church was on the wrong side of history. Big C church, right? Here in right, America. Right, and, right. And theologians propagated defenses of segregation and all that to our shame. However, the church has also been a healing agent in these things. And I believe that we're seeing a generation that's rising up, that's taking that more seriously. But we have to deal with these things because Jesus has not come back. We still see polarization in our country. Mm -hmm. And while you may not see people using terms that are as overt as things that you would hear in the 20th century in certain regions in our country, there are other ways that racism is expressed. And so we, we have one of, two, one of two options. We can act like it's not there, or actually, I should, I should say, we have one of three options. We can act like it's not there. We can attribute every social tension to it. Or we can do the right thing by engaging it in healthy conversation through the lens of the Bible. Wow. Well, I don't have anything. The show's over, guys. I have nothing, else to <laughs> I have nothing to add to anything of that. Um, I thought that was all accurate and very, very powerful. And, you know, it's funny, Mike. I, I recently, somebody who I'm working with um, in some areas of race, you know, I work on a lot of this, this stuff. And, and, uh, and this person said to me, uh, John, uh, why don't you just quit? And uh, this person happened to be black. And, and I said, uh, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, you don't have to do this. Why don't you just walk away? This is really hard. I mean, the middle of what we were talking about was really hard. And I just took a step back and I'm like, man, it's because of my faith is why. It's my faith. I mean, it's like, I feel like I have the skill set, I have the opportunity, I have the position. And as a Christian, it's like we look at the landscape of our humanity, our kingdom, our community, our neighborhood, our neighbors, and what's a prominent issue, and this is a prominent issue, and how can we lean into that, right? And so in my own space, which is different than your space, obviously, uh, that's what I come back to. Um, we're going to take a quick break, Mike, and then we're going to come back, and you're going to say more smart things, and I'm going to agree with it. Uh, so this is a Crossman Conversations. John Crossman. We'll be back after this break. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. 
Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale, PC, for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank member FDIC. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. Once again, here is John Crossman. And we're back with the Crossman Conversation with Mike Aitchinson, founder and senior pastor at Christ United Fellowship. And you know, Mike, I, I don't often have like churchy guys on the show, right? And so it's so nice to have a pastor here. You know, none of my listeners are Christians. Not all of them are. Uh, we usually are topic-based and we do, we, you know, we've had a show about uh, the voices of the people in Iran. Okay. We've had Iranians on the show. We had a show with our friends from the Holocaust Center. So we go kind of broad um, sure. But, you know, um, I am a churchy guy, so, sure. so uh, it's nice to have <laughs> you, and I appreciate you talking about it. So just going back to the, the main topic I want to talk about today is, is really why should Christians today still be concerned about racism? And, you know, I agree with everything you said, and, and, and I would add this, that, you know, um, there are some people that are really into, like, woke, and there's really people that are, like, anti-woke, and none of neither of those really cross my path. Like, I'm over here just, like, trying to do my thing. And I, I, I believe America is a great country for many, many reasons. Sure. And there's some things wrong. And I, my whole focus is like, how can we fix it? Right. So, uh, like, you know, this about me, like in the space of, um, uh, real estate, you know, there's the average black family has a lower net worth than the average white family. And the biggest component is real estate. There's 101 historically black colleges. And until recently, none of them taught real estate. And so I'm trying to like go into that space. So I see that as like, uh, with the time, treasure, talent that God's given me, I'm trying to lean into that to make impact, right? Am I doing the right thing, Mike? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, well, I, I hope you're okay with me telling you that I used your, I dropped your name. <laughs> I was doing a, I was a part of a panel at a law firm in town hmm. and talking about different ways that we can engage this conversation around race. Right. And I brought you up in connection with real estate, you know, as we talked about the income disparity between black households and white 
households and how real estate played a part in that. And so I, I share, in fact, I share with people quite often when we get into these spaces, especially guys in the business world, well, what, what can I do? Well, let me tell you what my friend John Crossman has been undertaking for the past several years, working on getting real estate involved in HBCUs and hiring and different things in the community, educating people around the matter. So he's putting real skin in the game, money in the game, et cetera, et cetera. So well, I think that's great. Well, I appreciate it. And I, I, the reason why I bring it up is I'm trying to sort of like find my own path, right? And I think there's pathways to it. I think what you said was so beautiful is like, hey, you know, what a, the American experience is amazing. I mean, our founding fathers to say, hey, we're, we're not going to have a king. We're not going to have one family that's ordained that they have it all, but it's going to change. Like, that was a huge jump. You know, um, did they jump so far that they, they got every sin addressed? No, but they've got some, and then hopefully every generation is getting and dealing with more of those issues, correct? Right. And right. so it's incumbent upon us to keep finding the places where we can make impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and what I keep thinking about is like, where can we draw a light that we can get more and more people united around that this makes sense and makes impact as opposed to just being a talking point, right? So, so let me pull this thread. Like, um, you know, I tend to go rogue. You know, I tend to just jump out there on stuff. And maybe sometimes that's right, sometimes it's wrong. When I hear you say discuss, like, Part of me is like, sure, but then I'm like, man, Mike, don't we have to get to work? Mm -hmm. So can you explain that to me about discussing versus working on, on that issue? Yes. Sometimes in, in, in an effort, in a zealous effort to do the right thing, particularly people who are doers or, or, or maybe overly aware of the issues or, or maybe motivated by guilt, could be any one of those things, move too quickly. And what ends up happening is, you know, we think, oh, if I just do this, then that solves the problem and miss relationship in the entire process. Relationship is a key component to bringing healing in the space and uh, place of uh, race. And so when I'm talking to someone, they say, well, OK, I see the problem now. What do I do next? Well, I, I just counsel people just sit in it for a while. Let it take it in. Understand the broad picture historically. Understand how it, it impacts people around you right now and and listen to what's actually going on inside of you right now are you in a haste to act because you want to get rid of a feeling of guilt or a feeling of condemnation or are you in a haste to act because you have a zeal to do what is right all right because the reality is guilt will not bear the freight of our sin so i'm a grace guy i believe that like every other sin racism was nailed to the cross as well so if you found that, oh man, I've come in contact with this information and I realize this is in my heart, I just want to do something, and you think that's going to assuage your guilt, I, 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 I sort of reject that. I'm more in line with, hey, let's take this to Christ, and then as an act of repentance, then we can move forward with relationship and then practical things that can bring healing, whether it's, whether it's supporting organizations that are already moving trains or whether it's starting up your own thing or whether it's changing your hiring practices, whether it's talking to your friends to say that they need to make uh, different decisions in their practice or whether it's talking to your friends privately saying, hey, we're not going to tolerate these types of perceptions in our friend groups uh, about people anymore. And so sometimes acting too quickly can end up doing damage in the long run because people, they get excited and then there's no sustained effort. And that does damage. I get that, man. I hear you. You know, I, I absolutely am guilty of that mistake. You know, at the same time, I get frustrated with people that all they want to do is talk. 
Sure. Right. And so I guess there's a balance to it. I just need to keep working on it. That's why I need you to advise me. Right. Because making impacts important, you know, like if all we do is talk, well, then the situation never gets addressed, you know, but I, but I feel what you said, because I think there's times that, well, it was funny. Uh, after the Mr. Floyd got murdered, I had all these people would message me like, have you seen this movie? And have you read this book? And I would message back and I'd say, why is white people? And I'm like, why do you think I need to read that book? Why do you think I need it? And they'd say, so you can learn to understand the problem. And I was like, I do. Have we not met. I mean, working on this for 20 <laughs> years, like I I'm hyper aware, you know, but maybe what I'm missing is that wasn't the message for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I needed to do a better job of helping amplify that message to others. Maybe that was my miss. Well, well, sure. But, but John, I'll add to that. Sometimes acting is a way to circumvent feeling the weight of the matter. That's fair. And I, right. that's what we started with, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it's, it's so painful and you know, I, I am part black. I don't, I don't always lead with that, but that, <laughs> no, but I mean, cause I don't want to, and I'm part white. No, no. Well, you know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to come across like Elizabeth Warren or somebody like right. that. Like I'm trying to cultural appropriation. But I do, it is part of my family tree. And mm-hmm. it's like, I was showing this the other day. I'm like, look, you can track all my family back to Scotland and Germany and Ireland and all that stuff. And then with my mom's dad, it stops and there's mm-hmm. nothing, right? And I kind of make that point. And so, you know, I, I think there's truth in that too. So, you know, I want to keep working on it and I do want to listen and I want to act and balancing all that is challenging. Well, I, 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 I do appreciate your, your humility and your desire and, and actually your active listening is one way I'd put it. Um, and so sometimes I, I do get weary of people just, you know, not taking this seriously by acting at all. And everybody's at a different place, right? So I don't well, expect everybody to be a John Crossman, but I've just come to really appreciate that you're putting action with your listening. I can, I, thank you. I, I think the other thing I'd say is like, how do I know that Christ loved me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're the pastor, you can get, you tell me if I got it right. It's because he chose to die for me. He mm-hmm. chose to sacrifice for me. And so to me, it's how do I let, you know, uh, you know, Mike, producer Mike or pastor Mike, how do I let you guys know that I love you? It's like, it's because I choose to sacrifice for you. I do something like, you know, like it's not, this is not just a transaction. It's like, I care about you. Like I'm here for you, you know, kind of a thing. And so when a company says we care about working racism and then you say, well, could you donate? Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I always say this all the time. It's like people say they love something until you ask them to write a check. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out they like it. Yeah. <laughs> right. They don't necessarily love it. Like you sacrifice for what you love, right? Christ sacrificed me. So to me, it's like, if it's really important trying to move into the space of like sacrificially doing something. Well, well, I'll add to that, John, there's a number of ways. To and, and I don't want to sound judgmental. I didn't want no, that to no. sound, just, just, that's John's brain. Not yeah. that that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, so there's monetary ways, there's relational ways, there's other right. practical ways. Right. So I think I, I like to think of it from the broader car- category of how do you sum up the entire Bible in a sense to sum up the whole law, love God, love neighbor. Right. What are the litany of ways that you can love your neighbor? Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, writing a check is one way to do it, then praise God. Uh, maybe it looks like, uh, maybe it looks like marching. Maybe it looks like advocating. Maybe it looks like, uh, sitting and crying, po- sitting and crying. Maybe it looks like policy change. It, it could be a number of those things. That's really helpful. You know, it's like, I know that, um, like if you know a woman who's been a victim of sex trafficking, the way to help her heal her is to let, let her tell the story. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hear the story. Mm-hmm. Like, like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, and so 
yeah, maybe I need to set up a time and just let you tell me every terrible story. And I just need, no, seriously, like, I need, like you look at me, I, I, maybe I need to do that and, and just, and, and not try to fix it, but just sit and cry about it. Right. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard because I love you and it's hard because it's just super painful, but maybe it's healthy. Well, Diane Langberg, who I respect dearly, uh, a renowned psychologist said trauma healing happens through talk plus time plus tears. Amen to that. Well, we'll end on that. Uh, this has been John Crossman on the Crossman Conversation with my good buddy, Pastor Michael. I love, and I want to remind you, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.